Amen. I'm so glad you're with us today. The gospel is clearly seen in the story of Christmas. And if you ever needed a reason to believe that you really can come home for Christmas, it's in the picture of God sending his son, the one he would say is Emmanuel, God with us. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, however far away you have been or are, the gospel invites us home today. We're going to talk about that today in our message, part of our mini-series called You Can Come Home for Christmas. I remember years ago when I was a child, uh, I was an only child, by the way, my mom and dad and I had gone down to Corpus for a little vacation and uh, set up on the beach out there. My mom and dad got one of the big umbrellas. Hey, and this is a long time ago, I'm just saying, all right? I mean, it's, it's the late 60s, so I'll just say that right there. And so we're down there in, in Galveston, I mean, at Corpus Christi. And they set up under the tent. My dad's not much for the beach to begin with, so he's up under the shade. My mom's in and out some, but if I'm going to go out in the water, it's going to be me. So head off out into the water, and it's a new experience for me. Hadn't been to the beach much, so we're down there, and I'm enjoying the waves, getting caught up in all the, the sights and the sounds and all that's going on there, and kind of feeling the waves against my feet. And, you know, the further out I drift, the more I'm enjoying this. And I'm out there for a pretty good while. And then all of a sudden, I feel something grab my toe. So it's a crab, and I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. I'm, I don't want to be out here anymore. So I turn around to head back to where my parents' umbrella was, and it's not there. I'm like, what? Where did they go? What kind of trick is this? And my parents take me to the beach. I turn around, and they're gone. And I'm kind of panicking, you know, not just because of the crab, but because of Where'd they go? What on earth happened? And I'm looking and looking and I'm wandering around. I'm kind of lost in the moment. What's happening? And finally I look and I think, what, what are they doing over there? That's the craziest thing. Why would they move from where they were to where they are now? And I make my way back to them. I'm having to fight against the pool and the waves and all that stuff. I said, did y'all move? What happened? They said, no, we haven't moved once. I found out I was the one who had drifted. They hadn't moved. For me to come back home, I had to go to where they were. They had never left the spot that they'd positioned themselves. You know, sometimes life is like that. You find yourself venturing off in some places you've never been before. You find yourself with some people you haven't been around before. You find yourself thinking and doing some things you hadn't planned on doing. And all of a sudden, you look up one day and you realize, whoa, I am not at all where I thought I was. And I'm starting to experience some things in life that I did not plan on experiencing. And it's painful and it's difficult. And I'm tired of this. This is not what I had expected. I need to get back home. And sometimes you wake up and you realize God is not near as close as you thought he once was. The presence of his spirit in your life is not what it used to be. The closeness you once knew with him is not there. The sense of peace, the sense of purpose, the sense of passion, the sense of knowing God is with me, God is for me, God has a purpose for me, and I'm right in the center of his will, all of that is gone because you have drifted. You have gone too far away 
And in that moment, you realize, I've got to get back home. It can happen even after you come to Christ. It can happen in life where you get busy. You just start living life. You just start doing your thing. And that sense of intimacy and purpose and power and passion you once had for Christ is low, low on the scale. And in that moment, the gospel, Jesus himself says, why don't you come home to me? Why don't you come back to that spot? Why don't you come back to the place where you and I, we know one another. I know you already, but you come back and know me. Know what I have for you. Know my purpose for you. Know what it's like to be home. The Christmas story gives us a beautiful picture of what it means to come home. And I would, I would be wrong if I told you today that all it takes is a simple prayer offered on a Sunday and everything magically goes back to normal. Let me assure you, the journey home can sometimes be a difficult one. Sometimes getting back to where you were. Sometimes getting back to the center of God's will. Sometimes getting back to that leading edge where you feel like I'm right there in the forefront of what God's doing in my life and I know what he's called me to and I know his peace and I know his passion. Sometimes the journey back to that spot can be difficult because it involves some obedience. It involves some repentance. It involves some change. And for that reason, a lot of people check out. A lot of people, when all of a sudden are faced with the fact that there's going to be some work, there's going to be some change, there's going to be some challenge, there's going to be some resistance, there's going to be some sacrifice that's needed, when they find out that to get from where they are back to the center of God's will involves some sacrifice, they say, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. It just seems like it's a whole lot of effort. And maybe out where I am isn't so bad after all. And they check out. And they live lost. They live struggling. They live distance. And that happens when you drift from home. There's a natural set of consequences that happen. There is pain that happens when you drift there is an emptiness that occurs when you drift, when you walk away, when you distance yourself from the very center of what God has for you. So the good news is, Jesus says, you can come home. But I would be wrong if I didn't tell you sometimes that journey can be difficult, of the journey of obedience back. The Christmas story helps us with this. The Christmas story is a beautiful picture of what it means to take a journey, to go on a process. If you're Mary and Joseph, that's what he invites us to in this story. Our message today is called, It Takes Real Faith to Come Home. It really does. If you're going to come back to the Lord, you're going to come back to him and walk with him, it's going to take real faith. 
It'll be more than what you can do on your own. It'll be more than what your own emotions and your own strength can muster. It will take real faith to get home. And it's funny, you know, there's a saying in our family, and I know this it's not just our family. There's a saying that is kind of in the culture today, and, and, it, and it has two words to it, sometimes three words to it. So if it's a situation that you're really kind of excited about, if, you're, if it's a situation you really want to put some time into, if it's a situation that you think, man, this is going to be awesome, at the end you say, worth it, right? I don't know if your family says that. That gets said in our family a lot, worth it. Hey, this is going to be a lot of fun when we get there. You know, when we finish this trip and we all get this place together, worth it. And when we all got there and we had a lot of great time like we did on our vacation at Broken Bow, worth it, the family says, that kind of thing. But if you come upon a situation and you think, man, this is going to be tough. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice involved here. There's a lot of pain that's potentially involved here. I just don't know if I want to wait in that long line at Raising Cane's for my own meal there. Hello. Now, I'm sometimes like, hey, not worth it. Not worth it. Most of the time, Raising Cane's is worth it though. So... <laughs> But some places, waiting in a long, long line for me, not worth it. Lots of traffic, not worth it. I'll just stay at home, forget it. You know, not worth it. Worth it, not worth it. It all depends on what you value in the situation. I would say to you today, the journey back home, always worth it. Whatever the cost, whatever the challenge, whatever the sacrifice, Whatever the change, whatever it means from where you are today, whatever the sacrifices, whatever the distances, whatever it is in your mind that makes you think, I don't know that I could ever get back to that spot. I don't know that I could ever be in that place. I'm going to tell you, worth it, whatever the cost is. Never, never, never let the cost of obedience cause you to not seek and return to God. Don't ever let the cost stop you from obeying. Don't ever let whatever it is that causes you to think not worth it, don't let that stop you from getting back to the center of God's will for your life. Amen? All right, so um, I know you got your Bible today. Turn in it to Luke 2, verses 1 through 7, and here's the deal. I didn't bring my Bible up here. I just realized. I got my backpack though, right here. So excuse me while I get my Bible. This is not just a prop moment here. This is really, I, I just didn't get my Bible home. So. But I got it. All right, so hopefully you've turned in your, you've got your Bible, you've got your Bible app, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It's the Christmas story. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to jump back into a verse or two and really spend a little bit of time there. Luke chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The story of Joseph and Mary is going to show us today the power 
of obedience, even when it costs. So the story is here that these two young people are living in the small town of Nazareth, not Bethlehem. Bethlehem is not where they live. Nazareth is where they live. Nazareth is where the angel has appeared to each of them and told them what God was going to do in their life. Nazareth is where family was. Nazareth is where friends were. Nazareth is where their future was. But the angel shows up to them with a message from God that they are going to have a son. And this son will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And they tell, the angel tells them, you shall call him Jesus. There's a purpose for this birth. This is a holy birth. God is going to do something that has not been done before. A virgin will conceive and give birth. There is purpose here. And so they get a promise from God. But to do so, along the way, they find out something they had not expected. They had not anticipated that this was going to require them to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem for a time. But a law gets passed, a decree is made, and they have to go to Bethlehem. So watch this. The next step in what God has for them is to go to Bethlehem. Now, you and I hear that today, and we think, oh, that's so sweet. That's just, you know, poetic and beautiful and Christmas and all of that. It's Bethlehem, a little town of Bethlehem, you know, all those kind of things. But look, for them, a trip to Bethlehem was not what they had planned on. A trip to Bethlehem was going to require some sacrifice. A trip to Bethlehem was going to be tough, and there wasn't any promise waiting in Bethlehem. They didn't know Bethlehem like you and I know Bethlehem. They knew Bethlehem as a town that was far away from where they were. They knew Bethlehem as we're going to have to go through some hard stuff at this time. I want to show you some of the things that made the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem difficult. Because sometimes the thing that God calls you to next will involve some struggle, will involve some pain, and you can't let the fact that there's pain and struggle involved in it make you say, not worth it. Instead, what you do is you say, God, if you called me to it, worth it. All right? Look at just some of the things here that were true about this journey that they were going to have to take from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Because in verse 4, it said that Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So here are some of the things about this journey. If you want to make some notes, you can. If you want to screenshot this next thing, you can. Here it is, some things about Nazareth to Bethlehem. The first thing was, it was a challenging elevation change. When the scripture said, Joseph went up, it really meant he went up. About 3,500 foot elevation change from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's going to be a tough journey. It's going to have some ups and some downs, but it's mostly up. And it's going to be a difficult journey. It's going to be a process. It's going to take some time. It's going to be one of those things that's going to take everything within you to make this journey. It was going to be a long, slow journey. If you drew a line from Nazareth to Bethlehem, it would have been about 75 miles. But the trip there was not a straight line. The trip there was through winding paths. It was not straight. So it would be about 85 miles for them. And they didn't take an Uber. They weren't in a nice big Ford truck. They were walking this thing. And Mary was riding. But it was going to be a long, slow journey. 
if they kept a pace of about seven or eight miles per day, which is a lot for a woman who's pregnant in this terrain at this time. They might have made it in some 10 to 12 days. Now, 85, 90 miles for us, we know is about an hour and 20 minutes to somewhere, unless you like to drive faster, then it's just an hour. So, but for us, that's us. For them, it's days. It's a week-long journey or more. They're walking this path, and it was a winding path. They probably stayed with some friends along the way, might have had some family that they could check in with, but it's a long, slow journey. It's in the last trimester of Mary's pregnancy, as we understand. In the last trimester, things begin to change for a woman who's pregnant. She's really beginning to feel the weight of the baby at this point, because in the last trimester, a baby's weight triples. In the last trimester, a mother is feeling fatigue much more quickly than she did before. In the last trimester, Mary's going to need to find a Bucky's along the way somewhere, <laughs> often. I'm sure Joseph's like, really, again? It's the last trimester. Mary's back is beginning to hurt, and she's some, experiencing some emotions she's never felt before. Joseph is experiencing some emotions from her he's never felt before. <laughs> it's a journey. It's a long journey. And it's difficult. It's going to require some sensitivity on his part that he's never had to give before. Some patience on his part that he may never have had to give before. It's a journey to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Many believe that the time of year that they traveled was the cold and rainy season. I mean, the only thing that make walking on foot uphill worse would be if it was cold and rainy, and it is. And they're not in a covered carriage. They're walking. It's a difficult path. It's perhaps 30 to 40 degrees in the daytime. And if it's raining, it's cold rain. This slows the journey. This makes it even more challenging. There's also along this path threat from robbers, from thieves. You see, they were two Jewish young people traveling through Samaritan territory. They were not well-liked in this area. We know the story of the good Samaritan that Jesus talked about, and that was surprising. There would be a good Samaritan. And so this path is one that's dangerous because there's risk involved with it. They could risk being attacked. They could risk being robbed along the way. There's also risk of wild animals. This is not uh, what we are accustomed to, a giant six-lane Ovilla Road, whether you're thankful for that or not. If you've been here a long time, you kind of wish back to the days of the two-lane Ovilla Road, right? Yeah. It's not that. It's not Highway 35. It's a path that they're walking on. It's a path through some wooded areas. It's a path with some risk from wild animals. There's bears. There's other risks along the way that they have to be continually aware of. And they're not really in a position to start a foot race with a wild animal. So this path is difficult. 
Not only that, there's the uncertainty of what was ahead. They didn't really know what was going to be waiting for them in Bethlehem. They weren't sure who they would stay with, what it would be like, how crowded the conditions were, how far along she would be at that point, when she would give birth. They knew that this was the, what God had for them next, though. This was the next step. The path from Nazareth to Bethlehem was going to be filled with risk and sacrifice. But that's what happens. That's what happens when God calls you to the next step in life. There's usually risk involved. There's usually sacrifice involved. And sadly, risk and sacrifice are two things today that cause people to say, not worth it. But you'll find with people in Scripture who had great faith that every time they heard God speak to them, regardless of what it cost to get there, they said, worth it. I see what God says, and I'm going there because it will be worth it. The sacrifice may be rough. The cost may be more than I anticipated, but it will be worth it. This is what people of faith do. People who focus on themselves check out the moment the situation gets tough, that there's any sacrifice, that there's any leaving friends or family or risking your reputation in front of others. No, they say not worth it. But God calls people to a promise. And sometimes it involves sacrifice. And it's always worth it. So when we look at Mary and Joseph, you have to wonder, okay, how did they do that then? How did they make this journey? How did they say worth it when so much seemed not worth it? How did they conclude in their mind the rain, the cold, the risk, the distance, it's all worth it? I think the answer is found for us in what Joseph heard from the angel when this whole story began. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we see what God says to Joseph. I want to show you these two verses. Look at it. It says, this is what the angel said to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. This was the promise that Joseph got from God. This is what caused Joseph to say, it's going to be worth it. I'm going to press on. I'm going to make it through. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter the risk. It's going to be worth it. This had to be what was in Joseph's mind, that whole journey, that day two, day three, day four, day seven, day eight, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And the angel would say to Joseph, do not let fear keep you from what I'm calling you to. Do not be afraid. Joseph, don't let what you think could happen stop you from what I say is going to happen. Don't let the size of what I'm telling you keep you from doing where, keep you from going where I'm calling you. I'm going to do something bigger than you can understand. I'm going to do something that only I can bring to pass 
and I'm going to do something that you are going to be tempted to be filled with fear. But Joseph, you're going to have to trust me and not your circumstances, not the people around you. You're going to have to trust me the whole time. And this is what Joseph does. He holds to a promise that going back home to Bethlehem will be worth it. Joseph had that promise, and he held on to it for the entire journey. That's what you do with promises. You hold on to them in the dark. You hold on to them when the situation seems impossible. You hold on to them when there's resistance. You hold on to them when obedience is painful. And you hold on to them in the process. In the process of getting from where you are back home. In the process of obedience, you hold on to the promise. Do you know that the minute you'd make a decision to return to Christ, to come back to the center of his will, to do what he's called you to do, whatever that is, there's going to be risk involved. There's going to be challenge involved. There's going to be struggle involved. And God will call you to walk to him, ignoring everything else, to come back home to him with a promise. Now, the great thing about this story that we're talking about today is we know what happens next. We know from Scripture what happens. We go back to Luke 2. Here's what we read today. Let's finish up the rest of the story. We know that in verse 6 it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son. I love the way this verse is worded. Because they went back, they went from Nazareth to Bethlehem, they made the journey, regardless of how difficult it was, regardless of the risk, they went back, they did what God called them to do. And look how this verse starts. So it was that while they were there, while they were there in the place that God had called them to, while they were there where God called them to obey, while they were there, then she gave birth. Then God, God brought forth his promise. You know that's how it works, right? When God calls you back to the place, to the leading edge, to the center of his will, when he calls you to that spot and he makes promises to you about what's going to happen, he brings those to pass while you are there. And when you get there, when you keep his promises there, is where he shows himself strong. So many people are not willing to take the risk, make the journey, get back to where the center of God's will is for their life. But that is the place. While they were there, she went into labor. We don't know how long she was actually in Bethlehem before she went into labor. Sometimes you watch shows on TV and they paint the picture like she's, you know, they're pulling into town and she's in labor right then in that moment. We don't know that for sure from Scripture. We know that some time passes because of this verse, while they were there, you get back to where God calls you to. You go right back to his heart. You get right back to the center of his will. And that is when he keeps his promise. The passage goes on and it tells us that, that while they were there, she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Mary did something 
she had never done before. She gave birth. She'd never done that before. She didn't have any experience at it. She didn't have any coaches on the side. She didn't have a hospital staff. She didn't have a midwife staff. She didn't have all the ones around her who could have been all the encouragement that she needed. She was doing something she had never done before. And the circumstances seemed against them. It would have been easy for Mary to have thought to herself, not worth it, not worth it, not worth it. But she held on to the promise. And God did something through her that she had never done before. God wants to do something in your life, my life. This is how he works. Stay with me. The way he works is he leads you to places of obedience to do things, watch this, that you've never done before. This is the walk of faith. He calls us to surrender our lives to him. Then he says, now, I'm going to lead you into some places. I'm going to change you. I'm going to completely transform who you are. And you, you probably think there's no way, no how, can't imagine it. Can't imagine my marriage getting better. Can't imagine my life being different. Can't imagine me not having the struggles I have. Can't imagine being used by God. Can't imagine having peace with God. Wrong. When God sets his sights on you and you respond by faith, he will do what he has promised. He will change you if you'll respond by faith and say, worth it. But that's what he's looking for. Those who will say, worth it. I'll follow you, Lord. And this is what God did for them. He called them on a path they hadn't planned for. Leave Nazareth. Go to Bethlehem. Leave where you are. Get to where I've called you. Leave what you've known. Get to where I've called you. Because there, I'm going to do something new something fresh, something great. You're going to experience me in a way you never have before. Each one of us have a path that God's called us to. And they involve journeys like Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they involve sacrifice. So I want us to look for just a moment here at what that journey home will look like for each of us. God's calling you to a place you haven't been before. God's calling you to your Bethlehem, your place where Christ is going to be formed in you in a way he hasn't before. Here's what that journey looks like for each of us. Your journey home is going to begin with mean, or it will mean admitting that you were wrong. You know, when I drifted out there and my parents, I thought, had left me, I had to come to a place where I realized, no, they hadn't left me. I left them. I was wrong. For the sinner to come home to Christ, it begins with that statement. I was wrong. I failed. I thought I could live this life without you, God. 
I thought I could do this and not need you. I was wrong. Now, if there are fans of the old Happy Days series in this room, you remember the character Fonzie. Yeah, thank you. And he was the arrogant, you know, black leather coat wearing, motorcycle riding guy that the last thing he ever wanted to admit was that he was wrong. And there's a couple of episodes <laughs> where he is wrong and he has to admit it and they drag out the scene where Fonzie has to say, I was and he can't say it for the longest time. He finally admits, I was wrong. This one truth is what trips up so many people today because they are unwilling in their arrogance and in their pride and they're not wanting to look foolish in front of other people to admit that they were wrong. God, I was wrong about life. God, I was wrong about you. God, I was wrong because I thought I could figure this all out without you. God, I was wrong. I was so arrogant and I can't do it anymore. God, I was wrong. This is where the journey home starts. The journey home also includes great humility. Being humble before God, but then being humble before others. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough coming home and admitting to a spouse, I was wrong. It's tough coming home and admitting to a parent, I blew it. It's tough coming home and admitting to friends, I've been so wrong. It'll take humility. It'll take time and perseverance. You know, if, if your actions, because you've walked away, have hurt other people, have caused others to mistrust you, you know, sometimes someone comes back home after that and they just expect everybody to, like, forgive them instantly and things are supposed to go back to normal. Look, that takes time to rebuild trust, to rebuild relationships. The journey home is one where a Savior's waiting. But the journey home sometimes takes great time and perseverance in the path. The journey home will demand full surrender of your will. You're going to start coming back home to the Lord. You're going to start this process, and there's going to be lots of temptations out there. There's going to be lots of people who will try to distract you. There'll be a lot of reasons you'll come up with in your own mind of why it would be better to not come back to the Lord. And it's going to demand you fully surrendering your will. It'll mean you saying, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. It'll mean dying to yourself. It'll mean putting an end to your own ideas about life. You'll also face some threat from opposition. The minute you turn and you start walking in the direction of what God has for you, I promise you, 
you will face resistance. Jesus himself said, all who will live godly in me will face persecution. You will face reaction. If you think that somehow turning and walking toward Christ is going to cause the world to applaud you today, I can promise you that will not happen. There'll be a group of believers who will do that for you. But do not expect the world to applaud what you're doing. In fact, in the day we live in today, you will face some of the most harshest persecution that we've seen in decades. You will face reaction, mocking. You might lose your job. You might be cast out socially because of a stand you choose to take for Christ. You will face opposition. And it will require focused obedience on your part. It will require you setting your sights like a laser beam on Christ and choosing to obey regardless of what anybody else says, regardless of what the pressure is, regardless of what's happening around you. And it will require absolute faith in God's promises. You're going to have to grab a hold of something big if you're going to walk home to the Lord. And I'll tell you today, He is big enough for that. If He calls you, He'll strengthen you. If He calls you, He'll protect you. He'll be the one who will provide exactly what you need for the journey. So I want to give you some promises today that you can hold on to because I know God is calling each of us to a new place in our life. You might not be a Christian today and the Lord is calling you home. You might be a Christian today and the Lord is calling you to a new place of obedience. And I want to give you some promises. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 3, 19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Promises. Promises that give you a solid foundation to hold to, to say, Lord, I am coming back home. I'm tired of drifting. 
I'm tired of wandering. I'm tired of doing my own thing. I want to be in the center of your heart, the center of your will. I want to be in a place of close intimacy with you. I want to be in the place of close acceptance with you. I want to know exactly what you're doing in my life. I want to be on the leading edge. I want to be right there with you, with you working in my life. I don't want to be anywhere else but that place. Because when you come home to that spot, that place right there, it is always worth it. It's always worth it. So the gospel has an invitation to us today. An invitation for you and me. An invitation to go to the next step. Leave where you are. Come to where he's calling you. It may look like Nazareth to Bethlehem. But whatever it is, you say, worth it. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I know that in this room are a lot of us at different places in our lives. Places where we've walked where we never intended to walk. We've ventured out into some places we hadn't intended to get to. But today, we hear you calling us home, back to the center of your heart, back to the center of your will. And we say to you today, we're coming home. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the time it takes, regardless of the distance, regardless of the sacrifice that will be required, we're coming home, Lord. And I thank you that you meet us there. Like the father waiting for the prodigal son, you wait for us. You run to us. You fall upon us in tears, grateful that we've come home. So, Father, I pray that we would run to you this morning, that we would see what you have for us next, and they would stay right next to your grace, next to your hope, next to your heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we've been blessed over the last weeks and months as God has continued to work in our body here as a church, and we've seen people come to the Lord, and we've seen people come home, and we've seen people recommit their life to Christ. And about a month ago, I guess it was, uh, Austin Holstein came, and that became his day that he came home. So I'm going to ask Austin to come on up here, and uh, some family too as well. Is Victoria here? Yeah? Cool. Victoria's his wife, and here's, here's a little backstory for you that makes this moment even sweeter than what it is. Um, Austin is the grandson-in-law to Miss Carol Edwards, whose husband was the pastor here, Wes Edwards, for many, many years. And so we are getting to see today a prayer answered that I know Wes and Carol prayed, and we're seeing the answer to all of that today. So Miss Carol's going to come. Yeah, come on up, Miss Carol. Hey, Victoria. All right. Good. 
And Miss Carol has a few things to say. And I told Miss Carol, anytime she has anything to say, she's welcome to take a microphone. So we well, are grateful. Thank you, preacher. I appreciate that. Um, first, I wanted to tell him that this is the best Christmas present yeah. that you could give us Woo. for your yeah. daughter. And for Victoria and the rest of the family. And we are so blessed to have him. He just fit in our family when she married him and just fit in right. And then I knew we'd start praying for him. <laughs> and we did. And I told him, I said, I'm praying for you. I knew he was, going, he was in the Army and then he was going to go overseas. And then we really prayed for him. And he got to come home. And they got married, and we're so blessed to have you here. But I wanted to tell you that through God's love and God's amazing grace, you got saved. Yeah, amen. It's a miracle that God gives us a new life. Yeah. And that is a miracle because we know what we were before amen. we got saved. That's right. That it is a new life indeed. Yeah. And may today be a reminder forever and ever, a reminder of God's amazing grace for you and for us as a family. Yeah. And we're so thankful for that. Isaiah 45, 22. Turn to me and be saved. He wants each one of his creations to turn to him. He doesn't want us to be lost. In all the ends of the earth, for I am God. And there is no other. Amen. Amen, amen and amen. amen. And we are so grateful for the church yeah. and for them to be here. And we love y'all. And Wes would be so proud. Yeah. 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 To see uh, the fruit of uh, Wes and Miss Carol's life, uh, physically but also spiritually today, amen. to know that Wes stood right here preached the gospel untold number of times and to know that he prayed for a day like this as well. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. All right. Well, y'all can stand around this area if you'd like. I'm going to take Austin back here. We're going to go get baptized, right? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Austin's gotten connected with some of the men here at the church and uh, getting discipled and growing in the Lord. Yeah, let's step on in. Ooh, you won't get that wet, do you? Yeah, <laughs> have a seat. Well, Austin, anytime someone's in these waters, I'm grateful. I'm amazed at what God has done. Like, like Carol said, it's a miracle. When God changes a heart, that's a miracle. That's a resurrection that's happened. But when I see a man here in these waters, then I think even more of what a miracle this is. In this day and time, to have a man stand in faith, to stand against opposition and ridicule today and say, I will believe in Jesus Christ and walk and follow him, Whew, what a miracle. God has a purpose for your life, and we're seeing it fulfilled and begin here today. So, Austin, I'm excited to baptize you as my brother in Christ. You are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Woo! Yeah, come on.